0: Grow. I want to grow, and um, I'm going to talk about something that, uh, of course, I'm in a series on the book of Galatians, and the theme of the whole book is to choose freedom every day, to choose freedom. How many of you have some days where you're walking in freedom, and some days where you're not? Come on now, come on. We're going to be. You're not supposed to lie in church. Every hand should go up, right? And uh, yes, some days we just do better than others, and and Galatians is written to to tell new Christians how they can live in freedom every day. It's a choice to live in freedom. And so let, let's look at this. Um, basically, once or twice a year, and we do a series on the book of the Bible. We go line by line and verse by verse through a book of the Bible. And we do that so that several times a year on Sunday mornings, you can learn the history, background of a book of the Bible. And, of course, over time, you get to know a whole lot of the Bible that way. You know, a lot of times we talk about topics, how to overcome fear how to work on your finances but this is this is just a line by line study of the book of Galatians and it's very important if you weren't here last week it's very important for you to understand the context and background of the book of Galatians. Galatians is written by the apostle Paul, of course by revelation of the Holy Spirit, and the word apostle just simply means that that Paul wasn't a a pastor of a local church. He was a church planner, and Paul would take a team of people And he would go around from region to region, city to city, and he would go into that place. They would reach people for Jesus, and as people were converted to Christianity, over time they would raise up leaders and pastors, and uh, they would uh, just uh, release that church to grow. And uh, of course, he communicated with these churches by writing them letters. And the Bible calls them epistles, but they're just simply letters, so a lot of a lot of your New Testament, First and Second Corinthians, were just letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and and First uh, and Second Thessalonians were just uh, it was written to the church at Thessalonica, and the book of Galatians uh, there is to a region or a bunch of churches. The region of Galatia in the ancient world is located in the heart of modern day Turkey today. And so there were a group of churches. Paul had started a bunch, uh, several churches there. And so when he wrote this letter to the Galatians, one church would read it in front of the congregation and they would send it to another church until all the churches, uh, you know, had had read what Paul was talking about. And the purpose of these letters w- was to strengthen their faith, to deal with any problems they're facing, and to make sure that their doctrine remained pure, that their Christian doctrine, their faith remained pure and in the book of Case of Galatians, it was a corrective letter. It was a corrective epistle because they had kind of gotten off track. And what happened is Galatians, um, a- after after Paul left the church of of, of Galatia, the, the churches, some, some a conservative Jewish group came in there, and they started teaching uh, these newfound Christians. Now the churches in Galatians were were almost all. Gentile, which means they just weren't Jewish. And so we have these non-Jewish, these Gentile new Christians. And these conservative Jewish group came in and started telling them, you know, you're really not saved until you follow the law. You're really not saved until, you know, you're circumcised. We talked about that last week. And you start following the law. And so these new Christians were confused, and Paul wrote them a letter And uh, let me review from last week real quick. Galatians 1, 6, and 7, it says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And we learned last week that there's basically two different brands of Christianity. Christianity there are actually two different gospels So well, I didn't know there were two. There there are two. One is just simply uh having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and living in grace. And the other brand of Christianity is uh is really is living your Christian faith based on religion, rules, duty and works. And those are two different things and so the first one following Jesus and living in grace, that's life-giving. And if you're bound up by religion, legalism, criticalism, condemnation, duties, obligation, that's life-draining. And see, many times I talk with people and they said, I was raised in church and I never want to go back to church again. So what I know is that they were raised in a life-draining church. They were raised in a church that was harsh, that was people were critical of people, people always wanted to compare with you, and uh, so that's not what Christianity is all about. As a matter of fact, you can see this when Jesus came, why did the religious leaders hate him? Because Jesus came talking about a relationship with the Father and grace, and the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were all caught up in, yeah, a relationship's not enough. you got to do things. We have a law with thousands of, of things you have to do, and, and that was the clash of the two different Gospels. Uh, right there. And I talked last week on the tree of life, and I would love for you to go back and, and uh, listen to that message. I think it's very important, but there's a story in Genesis 2 and 3 about uh, two trees in the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life represents a relationship with God the Father, a relationship with Jesus based on grace and forgiveness. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's a, that's a worldview that we just have to learn more and know more, and we have to follow a certain philosophy of life. Now let's move on today. We're in Galatians chapter 2. In verse 11 through 13, it says this. Later when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. So, Now the context here is, is Peter was one of the ones in Galatia that were giving these new Christians a hard time. And Paul said, man, I went to Antioch when Peter was there and I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he he was clearly out of line. And Paul says, here's a situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, so Paul, he doesn't name them, but he could. You ever want to name somebody, but don't, no, you shouldn't? That's the situation here. Here's what happened, though. Peter regularly He ate with the non-Jews, but when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could, managed between himself and his non-Jewish friends. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch church joined in that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept away. In the charade, and so here's the question: The question is this: How do we keep from going back to our old way of living? Isn't it interesting that we come to Jesus and we're experiencing freedom in our life, but if we're not careful, we can go back to the ways that of how we used to live? So, in other words, I want to say this: Between the two Gospels, or you say between the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I think there's a vine that swings between both of them. And isn't it funny how some days we can be living in freedom and we're in the tree of life and we're following the gospel Paul was talking about, and then all of a sudden we've swung on the vine to the other tree, and now all of a sudden we're critical of other people, we're condemning of other people, and it's all about what we're doing. Well, I'm doing this, but they're not doing that. And and so... uh, the question is, how can we remain in the tree of life? How can we remain in Jesus, in grace, a growing, loving God, loving other people, and instead of swinging back to that tree that makes us become people that really God uh, never intended for, for, for us to be? It's just, it's so easy to go back and forth. Do you ever do that? Do you ever have some days where you feel like, man, I'm for sure in the tree of life today, and then something happens, and that afternoon you're not in the tree anymore? You're in the wrong tree. Um, so I have a story to illustrate this. And now normally all my stories are about me and everyone seems to enjoy that. But I decided to share the wealth this morning, okay? So Tracy and I were on a date. And we're driving. We're driving in traffic. And we're, we're in Sugarland. I think we're going to eat at a, at a restaurant. And uh, yeah, there's traffic. And, and I'm driving. And this car, doesn't put on a blink or anything, and just just pulls over and just almost hits me, and I'm having to step on my brake and swerve over, and, and, you know, they weren't apologetic. They didn't say, oh, sorry about that or anything, and so, you know, right about that, all the traffic stopped, and before I know what's going on, Tracy leans over from the passenger seat and just lays on the horn. And by this time, there's traffic everywhere, there's cars everywhere, and they're all looking at me. They're all looking at me, you know. They don't know what's happened, and I, I said, what are you doing? And she said, What do you think God put that horn there for? <laughs> I said, I don't know, I'm about to pray about that, but please don't do that. And then I started thinking through my through my mind, you know, when we were dating in high school, you know, she started wearing my class ring and she was wearing my letterman's jacket. When we got married, she started wearing all my big sweatshirts and all that. It's like, hey, you're not having the horn. You're not having the horn. Stay off my horn. So I'm just saying, isn't it so easy? We're on a date, everything's good, everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, you know, someone curves, on, you know, comes in on you. And, man, it's just, it, it's, it, it's just so easy to swing because life throws some crazy, crazy things at us. Let's look at Galatians 2, 16 through 19. I, I just encourage you to, to, Galatians is not long. It's six chapters. You can probably read it in 25 or 30 minutes. I just encourage you every week just to read the book of Galatians that I'm going to be talking about. it, And you'll really learn this book really well. Galatians 2.16 and verse 19 says this. Paul says, we know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping. So we're not good enough at keeping rules for that to really save us, right? But through personal faith in Jesus Christ, how do we know? He says, we tried it and we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. The Jewish law is very specific. Paul said, man, we had the best book of uh, of really moral and religious laws, and and it just wasn't enough. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. What actually took place is this. Look at this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So listen, if you're trying so hard to please God, if you're busting your tail trying to please God, that's never the way He intended you to come to Him. And Paul says this, so I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. See, we don't want to be a law man. We don't want to be a law woman. We don't want to be bound up by rules and and duty and obligation. We just want to be God's child. We want to be God's man. We want to be God's woman. Uh, that's that's what we want to be. So I, I want to talk, I want to talk about the tension we feel when we're oscillating between the two trees we talked about, between the two gospels. And you know, we want to stay in the tree of life, but we keep finding ourselves back to where we came from, our old way of living. And so I was thinking about this weekend, is there a secret? is there a secret to staying in the tree of life is there a secret to keeping our relationship with Jesus pure uh, to keeping it about grace about love his love for us and our love for him our love for others is there a way and i believe there is in, in the final verse of chapter 2 paul gives us a principle that we can use to become god's man and not a law man but i'm i'm going to i'm i'm just going to I asked you earlier if you wanted to grow, and that was a trick question. It's a trick question because of this. Uh, What I'm going to share today is a life-changing principle. I'm convinced that you really can't grow like you want to if you don't learn this principle. But I'm also going to say this. It's not a principle that I would teach if I wanted to get a bunch of new people in the church. It's a principle I'm going to teach because I want you to grow. I want you to grow. You know, some churches, they think to get a bunch of people, they just have to keep it simple and avoid certain things. And everything in the Bible is there for us, is there for us. And this principle, if you learn this principle, I, I guarantee you, it, it it will change your life. It will it'll be, it will be a transformative moment in your life. So basically what I'm saying is, this morning we're going into the deep end of the pool. Okay, we're in the deep end of the pool. And here's the thing. I talk to some Christians, and they think the deep end of the pool is when you get really theological and they get confused. Let me tell you what the deep end of the pool is. Love your neighbor as yourself. Pray for those who persecute you. I mean, that's the deep end of the pool. So we're going to the deep end of the pool. It's very simple. This principle can change your life like no other. And and I think it's the most important daily decision you can ever make. After you become a Christian, give your life to Jesus. I believe this is the most important Uh, Thing you can do every day, and this is this principle we're talking about today. It's a daily thing, and so today I want to talk to you about about living the crucified life, living the crucified life. And and uh, Galatians two twenty, we said that at the last chapter verse in chapter two, Paul gives us a secret, and here's a secret. He says, "I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live." And so, what is Paul saying? I know Jesus was crucified for me, but I've been crucified too. I have allowed Jesus to crucify a part of me that, 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 that caused me harm. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's the principle. To stay in the tree of life, to stay pure in our faith with Jesus. Uh, To live our Christian lives the way he intended for us to do, you have to learn to die. Here's here's what I know. Dead people don't get mad. Dead people don't get offended. Dead people don't get revenge. Dead people don't complain about their pastor. I've seen if you're listening. Dead people don't complain about their spouse. Dead people don't talk bad about people. See, a dead person has has lost their rights. And when we die, see, a lot of the things that cause us problems in our life is because too much of you is alive. Parts of you that Jesus, that were supposed to die when you gave your life to Jesus, and maybe they did, but here's the thing, our flesh wakes up every day and looks for a resurrection. That's why you have to do it daily. I had a friend of mine, and he had this little girl, and uh, this little girl, they, they adopted her from another country, and she was in an orphanage. And I think because of how she was born and some of the things that she went through, she was just very, very tough physically, mentally. She was just tough. And when they were parenting her, I mean, every day it was a battle. Every day it was a, it was a battle. And um, she would say things like, Mommy, you need to obey me. You know, Daddy, you need to obey me. And uh, what, he, what he said is this. Every day, she wakes up and, and, and is resurrected and is ba- ready to battle you again. Listen, here's the thing. When we're talking about dying to ourselves, it's a daily decision because our flesh nature, it wakes up every day looking for a resurrection. And so it has to be every day, This day. Every day, we've got to come before the Lord and say, God, today, just, I don't want this Part of me to grow. I, I just want you to kill it, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna look at that today. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter sixteen, verse twenty-one through twenty-five. He says, "From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the te- teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life." Now, this was very perplexing to the disciples because. Uh, they didn't understand that Jesus was bringing a spiritual kingdom. They thought the Messiah was going to bring a physical kingdom, that the Messiah would over, overthrow Rome, establish his kingdom in Jerusalem. And when Jesus is talking about, I'm going to die, uh, that, that just totally threw them uh, off of their game. And here's the deal we see from this story. You can tell which tree you're living in when you get mad because your plans get interrupted. Now let's look at this, let's keep reading here. It says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now can you imagine this? Can you imagine being with Jesus for a few years and you've seen him walk on water, you've seen him turn water into wine, you've seen him open blind eyes, you've seen him cure leprosy, you've seen him raise the dead to life, and you're going to rebuke him? It says this, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me because you do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns. So then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple. So if you're here tomorrow and you say, Man, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to pursue Jesus. He gives us how to do that. He says, You must deny, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me, for whoever whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And so basically in order for you to live life to the full, something has to die. You can't, we can't live with our flesh and follow Christ and grow in Christ. You can't, If your flesh is operating, you can't love people like God wants you to. You can't serve people like you wanted to. So the only way that we can really become the men and women that God created us to be and follow the plan God has for our lives full full force is something within us has to die. We have to live the crucified life. Basically, the crucified life says this, that we, 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 we put... To death, our feelings, our emotions, our selfishness, and we exchange them for freedom to live in, in Christ, and and to continually to live in the tree of life. So here's here's the first point: is this is that see, we want changed situations, but God just wants to change us. See what we say is well, if that car wouldn't have pulled, run me off the road, I wouldn't have had to be at him. You know, if that person wouldn't have said something about me, I wouldn't have had to, you know, give them the business. And if my wife or my husband didn't do this, I wouldn't have to do this. Listen, listen. Here's the problem. If if your situation changed, you would still be in the equation. And the problem is not our situation, it's what's living on the inside of us that may not be, may not be right. I I tell you a funny story. Uh my pastor, Brother Francis, growing up, or, or when I was a pastor, he you know he died about a month or, month or two ago, and uh, he he was just such a unique guy. And so one time we're in staff meeting, and he said, "Hey, you know, I have this guy coming in, and and he wants to, you know, he divorced his wife, and he wants me to marry him to this other lady, and and so I want one of the pastors to be there with me." Well. I was a youth pastor. I didn't want to be there. But all the other pastors came up with better excuses than I did, so I had to go to the meeting. And so I'm just sitting there. I'm not planning on saying anything. That is probably the most uncomfortable 30 minutes I have ever had in my life. And Brother Francis just told him, I mean, just, just straight up said, you know, you divorced your first wife that I married you to, and now you bring this lady to church. And you want me to marry her? You already have a wife. I was like, why do I have to be here? And he said, listen, the wife, which wife you have isn't the problem. He said, if I marry you to her, you're still going to have problems. He, well, the man said, why? He said, because you're still going to be in the marriage. And I'm like, this meeting cannot end fast enough. So later, later in the afternoon, some of the pastors came in and said, how would the meeting go? I'm like, guys, whatever you do. Don't ever do one of those. I said, I have, I'm making a list of excuses right now. I'll never be in one of those meetings again. But he, I mean, here, here's the thought. We want our situations to change, but if if we just change us, the situations don't matter. If we allow the Lord to kill part of us that's not good, it won't really matter. What, Romans 6, 6 and 7 says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. I mean, think, think about that. When, when we allow the Holy Spirit just to kill some things in our life that are never supposed to be there, or not supposed to grow in, you know, in our Christian lives, when we do that, uh, when you're dead, sin is not appealing. When you're dead, sin is not easy to fall into. And so what I want to do this morning, talking about the crucified life, I went through, I've been reading through Galatians, and I went through Galatians, and three times in the six chapters in Galatians, it mentions the word crucified, or crucified. And every time it mentions the word crucified, it mentions a new thing that needs to be crucified. So I thought today, I you know, we're talking about the crucified life, um, you know, Paul says there's three things that we have to do, you know, to really be surrendered to Christ. Three crucifixions that have to be, take place. So let's talk about them real quick. The first one was in Galatians 2.20, which we just read, which just said this. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So look look here. The thing was, it says I have been crucified. So the first thing we have to crucify self. We have to crucify ourselves. And remember, remember when we gave our lives to Jesus, and you know, Jesus, I I, I give you my life, and it was there was a surrender, and uh, we, we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've made a mess of my life. I just need you to come in, and I just need you to save me. And 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 that was the most important thing we do, but. See, I think we need to pray something like that every day. And the prayer is like this. Jesus, I gave you my life many years ago, but today I just give you myself. And I I pray that you would would just crucify uh, my selfishness. And, and, uh, you know, think about this. If you woke up every day and said, Lord, today I just ask you just to crucify my fleshly attitude. God, help my attitude to be positive. Help my attitude to be encouraging. Help my attitude to be uh, in love toward other people. God, help me today. Help me today just to keep the attitude of Jesus. And today, God, today, Lord, I give you my mouth. And take my mouth. And I pray that only, only encouraging and uplifting and edifying words would come out of my mouth. God, I pray today you would just crucify. Uh, my desires and my intentions. And God, I pray today my mouth wouldn't be used to talk bad about people. My mouth wouldn't be used to talk critical of people. My mouth wouldn't be condemning toward other people. God, that my mouth wouldn't be harsh toward other people. God, I pray my mouth would be at peace, uh, that my words would be used by you. God, take these ears today, and I pray, God, that you would just protect me from things I shouldn't hear. How many of you know that when we go through life every day, there's some things you don't need to hear? And God, even if I hear things that you don't want me to hear God I pray i wouldn't I wouldn't meditate on them and I wouldn't let them soak into my mind, but God, I just give you my ears today and I pray protection over what I hear and and God today I just I pray for my mind I pray that my mind would think on good things those that are are, are pure and noble and lovely and praiseworthy God I pray I wouldn't dwell on any wrong intentions. God, I wouldn't dwell on things that aren't praiseworthy. God, I give you my mind today, and Lord, help me to take control of my mind. Help me to be disciplined in my thinking today. God, I pray for these hands. God, that these hands would do no harm, that you'd use these hands to help people, that you'd use these hands to serve people, God, in Jesus' name. And, uh, you know, you just begin to, to pray that every day over the different parts of your life. In 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-one, Paul says this, I die every day. So living the crucified life, it, 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 it's, it's about every day. Here's what I've learned. When you, when you pray a prayer like that, if tomorrow morning you get up and pray that prayer that I just uh, prayed uh, towards you, for you, uh, that prayer is only good for about 24 hours. Have you noticed that? You say, man, I had a, a," one person told me, I had a a great prayer life one day this week, and I don't know why I'm not doing well. I'm like, well, what day did you pray on? They said Monday. I'm like, well, it's Thursday. You know, you got to keep that thing going. You got to keep that thing going. And uh, you say, well, how come it only lasts 24 hours? Because there's a vine that goes between the two trees. And if we get too far away from God, and I'm, not, it's, I'm just not talking about you, I'm talking about me. It's, it's all of us. We have, we have a sin nature, and we've got to put that to death every day. So we have to, we have to crucify ourselves. And the action step here is humility. Humility. Had a great man of God tell me one time, the man or woman that spends a lot of time on his face cannot go any lower. And if you think about so much of ourself that needs to be crucified, it's pride and arrogance. Listen, if you walk in humility, you'll never be getting arguments with people. You're not going to have problems with people. So the action step if we're going to ask God to crucify self, it's really my selfish desires. God, give me a spirit of humility. The second action point is this, is we have to crucify our flesh. Crucify our flesh. If you don't know, basically, our flesh is just our passions and desires. This is found in Galatians 5.24. It says this, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, here's here's what I know. We all have passions and desires that are contrary to God's word. You know, society today tells us a tremendous lie. Well, you just have to be who you are. Oh, no, don't, don't let me do that. You just have to do, you, you know, whatever you feel and whatever you, you know, that's just who you are. you got to go with it. That, that's not true. That's not true. We can crucify our passions and our desires that go contrary to God's word. If we do that, we'll have great success. How many of you know that if we just follow every passion, desire that ever pops into our mind, that's not a good scenario? Many of us would be on our third or fourth marriage, you know. Many of you, your kids would be walking to church. You got mad and dropped them off a couple miles away, you know, for arguing in the back seat. I mean, that it, it's just, it's just it's just not good, you know. It's funny. There was, uh, you know, I was listening to someone one time, and they're they were having a problem with their anger. They were mad all the time, and they told me, "Well, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm just Puerto Rican, so that's just that's just part of who I am." And don't blame your anger on Puerto Rico. Come on now, don't, another guy said, well, my, my granddaddy was a mad person, my daddy's a mad person, I'm just a mad person, it's just who I am, we all have red hair and we're very fiery. Don't blame that on your red hair. Don't, no, no, anger is a choice, that's living in the wrong tree, that's your flesh, that's a passion and a desire. So you don't, you don't have to accept your past as a predisposition in life. Again, we all have passions and desires that go against God's words, but we don't have to live them out because we have a choice that we can make. We can choose. You know, we have to live by choices and not desires. We have to live by purpose and not not pressure. Uh, One of my favorite verses in Joshua chapter 24, 15, at the very end of, of Joshua's life, the great leader and he assembles all of Israel together. He, he's getting old. He's led the children of Israel in the promised land. And he gives them a directive. It says this, choose. I love that word, choose. Choose for yourselves this day who you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So if you're going to crucify your flesh, the action, se- ch- the action step are choices. You have to you have to choose wisely. You get to you get to choose uh, you know, to have the fruit of the spirit in your life, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Or you can choose, you can choose to be critical. You can choose to be condemning. You can choose uh you know to be legalistic or religious or have religion out of you know serve God out of duty. And the third step is this the third place where it's talking about being crucified, is, uh, is, is to crucify the world. Galatians 6.14 says this, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul, Paul says that, you know, to live in freedom, you have to have a world filter. Come on, church, we need to hear this. We have to have a world filter. I mean, you know how, I'm just amazed at, at what a wicked world we live in. And how much wickedness has been called normal today. It's just normal. I, I mean, if, if I told you, you know, find me a television show where there's no profanity, where no one's sleeping together, you know, and that doesn't go anything against the Word of God. You'd have a hard time doing it. If I say, hey, tell me what you know, what kind of music are you listening to? What, you know, what, what are the words and all this, you know. I, I mean the world is just a polluted place. And basically, if we're gonna stay in right standing with God, if we're gonna keep ourselves from being polluted, we have to have a filter for the world, and we have to say, Man, there's a lot of things that I can't participate in. There's some things that I just can't do. There's some places I just can't go because it's harmful for me. And so here's the thing. How do you know what's right and wrong? And I'm not trying to beat you up this morning. You have the Holy Spirit living in you, and you have a Bible. So I think we can clearly decide for ourselves what's right and wrong. But I'm going to say this. You cannot just plug into the world and let it download all of its immorality all of its filth, all of its hate, all of its criticalness—you, you can't download that into your spirit and think that you're going to have a growing love relationship with Jesus. You have to, you have to have, you have to have a filter. Many years ago, it was actually when we were living in Lafayette. Trace and I were were the youth pastors of Family Life, and we went to some people. Some people, uh, you know, in the church invited us to come over to their homes to eat, and so we went over there. And uh, we we were eating and everything, and they they one of them jumped up and said, "Oh, we've got to we've got to tape our show, our show comes on later," and uh, and I I wanted to be nosy and ask what they what what was their show, but you know because I'm so sensitive I didn't do that, uh, but they just announced to me the show they're waiting to watch, and man I was just it just it, it cut me because I was like. Man, I just cannot believe a Christian would watch that show. I mean, how can you watch a show like that and and feel feel good about yourselves? And now I told you that story because this week, as I was studying this message and thinking about that, what I realized is the night Trace and I went over there, I swung to the other tree because I'm worried about them. How can they watch that show? How could a Christian watch that show? See. But here's the point. God wants us to worry about ourselves. God wants us to crucify ourselves. And, and you know, if you, you crucify yourself, you know, you do that, and other people will ask you, how do you have such a vibrant relationship with Jesus? But I will tell you this, when I was, I was thinking about that, man, I, I, was con- I was convicted because I think we go through life and we just keep plugging more into the world and more into the world, and all of a sudden we're talking like the world. Listen, if when you get mad profanity is coming out of your mouth, listen, you've plugged in the wrong system. You know, and, and I, I what I'm saying is we have to unplug from the world. There's things we can't let our enter our minds. There's places we can't go. There's certain people we can't identify with, we can't spend time with. Because if we do, it's gonna feed the flesh inside of us. And it, does this make sense? I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to beat you down or anything like that. I'm just saying. To live the crucified life, you have to have a world, a world filter. So the action step is this. The action step is separation. You have to find a way to separate. We have to be in the world, but not like the world. We need to be in the world, loving the world, but not doing the things that the world is doing. And and so let, let, let's talk about this a little bit. You know, in in, in closing this morning, can you imagine how your life would be if, if we were able to crucify self, just to crucify self. If, if, if I can just worry about Terry this week, and the action step is humility. Man, if I can just allow the Holy Spirit to fill me with humility so I'm not judgmental, so I'm not condemning, so that I'm loving people, that's an incredible thing. And the, the second thing, of course, is, is, is crucifying our flesh, which is our passions and desires. And, and by that, it, it says, you know, with the action step there is we have to make good choices. And listen, how come, how come when we make good choices, we take credit, but when we make bad choices, we put blame? Well, it's, you know, it's my mom. You know, you're 55 years old. It was mom. Mom, yeah, she had that same problem. But when we make a good choice, we want to stand on the rooftop and declare it, right? So our choices, if, if and basically, it's like you know, our passion needs to be for Jesus. Our passion needs to be about following God's word. Our desire should be to do the things the, the fruit that the Bible says should be of our salvation. And of course, the last thing is is uh, we have to crucify the world. And by let me let me say this. The church is called to reach the world. So I'm not talking about being critical of the world. We're supposed to love the world, we're supposed to influence the world. But what I'm saying is, you can't influence the world if you're doing the same things the world is doing. And so, as Christians, we just have to realize man, well, I got I to put a filter. I got to put a filter so that I can remain pure in my life this morning. Would you stand with me? Father God, we come before you today and we love you so much. Do you love Jesus this morning? God, and we want to stay in the tree of life, Lord. We we want nothing to do with the second gospel, the one that's about religion and duty and rules and obligation. God, we want to stay in the tree of life. God, we want to have a personal relationship with you that's based on love. We want to have a personal relationship that's based on grace. And so we, we, we thank you this morning. I'm just curious this morning, if this, if this message, if the Holy Spirit spoke something to your heart, would you just raise your hands to the Lord and maybe there's an area of your life that the Lord really spoke to you on today and I'm gonna pray. God, help us to live a crucified life. Lord, in order to really reach our potential with you and have the relationship with you, that you really desire for us, Lord, we have to crucify some some areas in our life, God. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, even though when we talk about putting to death things that aren't good, Lord, even though that that may be painful at times, Lord, we know that that it's beneficial for our whole lives, God. And so God, I just pray this morning, in Jesus' name, that you, you speak to every heart this morning, and God, the areas, whether it's whether it's their self or the flesh or the world, Lord, whatever area we've talked about today that, that they need they need you to help crucify, Lord. I just pray that daily we would get up and just pray for you to work in our lives, for you to limit our flesh, Lord, and just to grow our spirit beings. In Jesus' name we pray. And God, as we dismiss here today. I just pray your blessings over our people. God, bless us and protect us and keep us from all harm. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You're dismissed, and guys, if you would help us stack these chairs and stack the maid, that would be awesome. Small when fear is come, still you're calling. When faith is lost, you will be my strength. When my mind Don't give up. On.